This is Marty. Hi, Marty. It's Lindley. Well, <laughs> Lindley Faye Smith as I live and breathe. <laughs> How's it going over there in uh, your grand ivory tower? Underwear. Um, it's going it's going fine. Uh the the boys are sleeping in in sunspot and Joe Beth is doing some sort of work in another room. Another room, like we have a whole lot of rooms. <laughs> and, we and, don't. and your and your guest suite that you have. <laughs> That's right. We rent it out to uh lodgers. Uh <laughs> the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we put it out. I wish they need to get jobs, start contributing around here. <laughs> hey, everybody, welcome to the OKC Span Podcast Edition End of Year Finale. You're on with Lindley Faye Smith and um, Oklahoma City's Twitter darling, Marty Piercy. <laughs> I had That's a good to me. That was I'm really proud of good. That. That's good. Uh, I, yeah. Uh, yeah, I particularly like uh, the idea that, like, I'm just, I'm so charming to everybody. <laughs> you know, I think there was a time that that was the case. Uh, and that people were like, oh, no, this guy's not fucking around. This is actually. <laughs> but, uh, I had a friend in college uh, who, uh, you know, it's commonplace when there's a when there's a dude in the social circle that everybody is like, um, you know, we really love this guy and he's, you know, he's interesting and he's, you know, he's he's got such a heart. Whatever people were like that with me, I don't know why, Uh-oh. but uh, one of those friends. She made it her personal mission to uh, make sure that any girl I started dating got a uh, a talking to. I don't know. A warning? I don't know. But like <laughs> something that she used to say to them, I learned later, was sometimes girls get interested in Marty because they think he's he's this dark, brooding character and the thing is he's not a character <laughs> he's just dark and brooding <laughs> so that makes people run away from him and that makes him sadder um it makes him brood more yeah i think that's what happened with twitter is like <laughs> i think people liked me on there at first and they were like oh no he's really like this never mind you know one of my favorite comments that was made amidst the Twitter drama of the most recent history was somebody, I don't know who it was, probably some like person without a profile picture with, you know, two followers said, okay, C-SPAN is not SEC ready. <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. I don't know what it means. <laughs> you know I'm how not... OU is moving to the SEC conference? Uh-huh. And, and people, so people have been saying, saying like, ready. they're not SEC yet ready. <laughs> Because they're not tough, I guess. I have no idea. I I, We're just I, bleeding hearts. I'm sorry that uh, you you introduced that concept and I didn't. I don't know what the, I just don't know what the joke means. I well, guess people I, don't tune into us for sports references, really. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Somebody did say, uh, like he thinks his 98 pound ass can do anything. I'm like, Man, I, don't, I don't think my ass weighs 98 pounds. Thank you. I, I can't tell. I've never weighed my ass. <laughs> but this guy, this guy does. That guy, he, he weighs his own ass. You can tell. He's the type. Um, now, I luckily haven't gotten, I don't know about you, but I haven't had to eat any shit on Twitter in over a week. I, I mean, no? we both got, we both got somebody. Somebody trying to really own us on Twitter a couple of days ago, which was mm-hmm. kind of hilarious. But uh, otherwise, I just haven't. I haven't really it's all had been any. quiet on the Western Front. Yeah, I mean that vote's over. I think people wanted to gloat for a couple of days, but it was just like a sports victory. They've moved mm-hmm. on. Yes. Mm. Yep. It's been quiet. It's nice. Yeah. Well. Um, 
we asked all 50 listeners of this podcast uh, to give us feedback about if they, uh, like, uh, things they wanted to hear talk about or some things they, points they wanted to make over just about the past year in Oklahoma City, specifically in politics. Uh, Didn't get a whole bunch of feedback from that direction. Did get a lot of... uh, um, I don't know. Uh, you did two polls. Let me just say, you you did two polls on Twitter. I I did a poll about the podcast, and people yeah, overwhelmingly which was, which was did good. not seem to know that we had one. Um, but uh, yeah, not a ton of feedback or input. But one person did ask about. Constru- a construction project and uh otherwise like i don't know somebody somebody asked me to ask the mayor if ted's was too spicy so that was kind of <laughs> yeah. a kind of funny thing to to say to the mayor but uh i don't know i've got on the podcast of, that's right he needs year. to come on he's the only guest i'm inviting <laughs> We'll be nice. Well, uh, I have a list of things that were major topics of conversation this year mm-hmm. in local politics, but I also want to talk about the Twitter polls that you did. Let's do one of those first. Let's do. Uh, let's start with the uh, bike lane question that you asked, because I think that that's that's pretty relevant to anybody mm-hmm. who would have a listen to this podcast, I think. Yeah, and I was really, it was pretty split across the board because I did leave one, it was like, love it, hate it, and another one was just like, I don't care. But it was pretty split across the board, which I assume the I don't care are the people who use automobiles. <laughs> so they, And they don't uh, care. Yeah, and they don't care. So um, what are your thoughts on that project and how it went development-wise? Well, uh, I guess I don't. Uh, I don't think of it. I know that they come in parts and parcels, but uh, I don't think about the bike lanes as being like individual projects as much as I think about system wide. Um, I'm very right now. What we have on bike lane wise that actually really gets my attention is what we have going on on Lottie between Northwest or Northeast 4th and uh, Northeast 23rd. Because um, that's just, that basically Lottie uh, makes up more or less the uh, the eastern border of uh, OUHSC. Mm-hmm, and so uh, it's a high traffic, like, a high high use uh artery um, I used to use it a lot when I drove because it was uh, the housing authority is on fourth, not very far past Lottie. There are two public housing uh installations mm-hmm. on Lottie, both of which are senior housing, and they share a parking lot they face each other um and those are at like twelfth. Uh, and Lottie, um, and there's some businesses, there's church, there's uh, some homes uh, along there. Uh, so it's it's a convenient place to ride your bike uh, to get from one place to another, but also it's really high traffic, so it's not the like, mm-hmm. especially for a novice rider, it's just not the most comfortable. Uh, but that is our first like attempt at parking protected bike lanes. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I, I'm kind of excited to see how that goes. There was some, some I'm going to say mostly minor pushback in the neighborhood, uh, mostly from business owners uh, along there who were afraid that it would uh, interfere with with business somehow, uh, so when which you say I don't parking know. parking protected, does that mean 
cars are on one side of the bike lane and then businesses are on the other side and the bike lane runs between? The Yeah, the bike lane runs between uh-huh. the sidewalk and the parking spots. Sounds great to me. So that, right, so that traffic's on the other side. I agree. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, as a user, it's preferable um, because you're actually separated from traffic. Yeah. And the the danger of somebody opening the passenger side door while you're zipping along there are pretty, actually a lot smaller than, Oh, the bike lanes, the bike lanes of my youth were just right, hugged right up against the line of parked mm-hmm. cars. So you're in between like traffic. I'm just thinking of Chicago. It's not, I mean, it's like you're in between traffic and parked cars and people are going to open their doors. I mean, it's just a pretty common way to get hurt. Uh, you can't really veer, veer out to your left, but I, that's the greatest danger. And like, that's, Hey, come on, it's not that big of a danger compared to moving vehicles. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, no, I think all that aside, like better bike infrastructure is an unmitigated good uh, mm-hmm. in our community. Like it's, I mean, just like, I don't think anybody needs me to give a, like a, a rousing speech about why bike <laughs> infrastructure is necessary Something and good. I mean, like I like are the protected ones, just because it's. I feel like at least a car is going to hit one of those. Um, what is I don't know what the word is. Barriers, poles. Those um, are bollards. Oh, I would have never known that. Um, <laughs> and, well, those um, are technically the ones that you're talking about. Like we have some on Walker. Mm-hmm. Uh, close to the river and the interstate. Um, and we have some on General Pershing. Like when you go on Maine, when you cross Penn uh, headed uh, west, that's General Pershing. And they're, they're, we call those flex poles rather than bollards. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, flex posts, uh, you can hit them. And they won't stop your car, whereas a bollard is more like concrete-filled metal, like you're not really driving through that. Um, but, I yeah, flex, po- flex posts create a good visual. That's what like, I was about to say, yeah. Yeah, they're not – look, it's safer than nothing. So I don't want to – I don't want to shit on it or anything, but it's not, it's not much protection. Uh, and the amount of time it takes for somebody who's not paying attention to cross that line and uh, that flex post isn't going to stop them doing that. Um, and if you're on a bike, kind of hard to have the, the quickness to bail, I guess, on something like yeah. that. Just sounds really, really dangerous. It does. Now, again, it's better than nothing. I, what I really like is parking protected and curb protected. Um, mm-hmm. If both of those are happening, it makes me feel a lot better. Um, you know, if you're downtown, you'll see that a lot of the, not all of, but a lot of the, the, Streetcar stops, and now a lot of the new uh, BRT stops. BRT. The bike line, uh, the bike lane runs behind them, so it's uninterrupted. Mm-hmm. And those are those are pretty nice. Those feel pretty comfortable. <laughs> like I mean, it's like having a patch of sidewalk that's just dedicated to bikes. It's kind of nice. Yeah, I mean, all this to say, if you are not legally blind, ride your bike more than driving your car. Yeah, I, there are lots of positive in, in outcomes. Uh, uh, you know what bothers me is people, because you got some push, but you got some negative pushback on that, right? Uh huh. Yeah, and I think it, I was specifically asking about the one on Classen. Um, yeah, that's gotcha. Where I heard the most pushback just by word of mouth, and yeah, it was reflected. Yeah, there was a lot of pushback on that. I, I'm gonna. I'm going to say a lot of that pushback is the same 
comes from the same place as the arena. A lot of the arena talk did. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like, like the mayor kept saying, "Believe the evidence of your eyes." Well, I, anybody who's ever even heard of science knows that that's not a like that's not <laughs> a good way to make your decisions. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, your eyes are famously easy to fool, uh, but. Yeah, like people said, well, how could uh, having a basketball team downtown not have a huge economic uh, boost for the city? Well, because uh, that's not how money works. That's why. But you don't want to believe that because it's so easy to believe the alternative, and it's more comforting. Well, same thing. That was a long way of saying it's the same thing with class and these bike lanes. People want to believe reducing space for traffic slows down we'll make it commute time we'll cause and more it, traffic and it doesn't actually expanding them causes more traffic like this is well trodden well studied uh accepted uh data science the only people who don't seem to understand it and acknowledge it as truth are Traffic engineers typically, like city planners, are the ones mm-hmm. who like, well, no, it, it, those statistics don't mean anything to us. We, this is the way we learn to do this. So no, I'm, all, I'm a little disappointed that we don't have just a dedicated, this is bus and bikes only uh, on both directions of class. And, um, yeah, when I was in Albuquerque over um, – Thanksgiving, yeah. Um, there was a completely dedicated bus, and to the side of it was a bike lane. And I was like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. This mm-hmm. seems safe. Yeah, I think things like BRT are really important to me because it kind of normalizes in places like this where public transit is just not not mm-hmm. very normalized. I think it serves to normalize, just make it really convenient for people who aren't your quote-unquote typical transit (laughs) users um, trying to get those folks to get on the bus and the the new BRT is good for that like I Joe Beth and I took it this weekend and the operator said Joe Beth we've got some new riders over here (laughs) (laughs) to a woman and her kid who were on the bus just checking it out um which good for that I, I, yeah yeah it was a, the whole thing was kind of amusing to me you know mm. but uh but yeah like that's good but you know what will be more effective is just it's not just making it less unattractive to ride the bus which is kind of what we do currently like increasing frequency is important for service uh making it look nicer or having more amenities, that's great. But that's just, again, it's just, it's decreasing the unloveliness of the experience. And I don't think that that's, that's not a huge, it's not a hugely important place to start with for me. Well, I oh, do there's think a, though, what's that? There's a um, kind of a, what people see as a bus rider stereotype here mm-hmm. in Oklahoma, which I absolutely hate because I've lived in cities where public transit is very common, and it's kind of laughable to me that that's a thing here. It is. It's it's very expensive. Um, I you know people complain about uh, well people compl- I complain about everything. So it's not like I have a lot of judgment about <laughs> that, but. Uh, People complain about things and reasons they don't use it. It's not frequent enough, whatever. And it's like, that's kind of an excuse, it's kind of a cop-out. But at the same time, I don't blame people. Like, yeah, it's, you know, on a regular frequency for a bus, it's 30 minutes. So, like, you have to plan. You have to plan, and that means also... Sometimes your plans will get you someplace 15, 20 minutes early. Um, mm-hmm. It's just kind of 
kind of how it is. But I think, like, making it less convenient to not take public transit is a good way to boost ridership. Um, like, yeah, if it sucks to drive downtown, take a bus. Like, yeah. So let's make it walk. suck to drive down here more. Yeah, yeah. Ride your bike and walk if you hate the bus so much. Um, I had see, I had a conversation with a friend a number of years ago who, uh, you know, grew up in Oklahoma City and like took the bus a lot in high school. And he said, "What Oklahoma City seems to think that the bus is just for poor people and people with DUIs." Right. I'm like, man, I guess that's true. I, yeah, I that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier. He just put it yeah. succinctly, succinctly. No, I think that you're right, though. I think that there's a there's a poverty stigma about it. Like, I just we it's chicken and the egg. You know, if we increase frequency, it will increase ridership. But it's hard to convince the bean counters to increase frequency when there's not warm bodies on the bus. But we'll yeah, say like, you know, I talked to I was talking to somebody who actually does urban planning around here and um when the BRT was first being um announced, they mentioned how they've never ridden a bus up until touring the BRT. I was like Wow. Really You're an urban <laughs> planner. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, good for you for riding, but like I just, yeah, that's kind of, that's a problem with design across, you know, across disciplines. I, not having, well, it's, we're going to have a panel on diversity and it's all white dudes, you know, like it's that same vibe of like. Which was, apparently that was a PR thing. I don't oh, know. I couldn't figure it out. Yeah, I. I almost hesitate to even talk about it. It was such a, not that important of a thing. Yeah, um, every listener will share the same um, opinion. Yeah, yeah, it was stupid. And uh, I'm glad some people said, hey, this is stupid. Because <laughs> 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 it really didn't make a lot of sense. But well, anyway, I think the bike lane's an unmitigated good. I'm sure people don't agree with that. Um, do you have anybody say anything against it that was just like super, like, well, that's a really good point I hadn't considered. No. Um, what a, <laughs> another thing, <laughs> another thing no. that got a similar, yeah, I know, <laughs> the listless now, um, that got similar um, kind of engagement that was kind of across the board was whenever we talked about bringing up Wheeler, which is another big development. Does does a bus go there? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, okay. it doesn't go into Wheeler, but... Um, Heaven forbid that would happen. Right. Uh, uh, well, I'm, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it would stop on uh, what Western or whatever it is that goes in front of it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you'd have to walk into the district proper, I guess. Yeah. Ride your bike in. Ride your bike in. I do know people who ride their bike down there quite a bit. I mean, I, there's no reason for me to go to that that neighborhood. I mean, there's nothing there that I don't have access to Downtown. elsewhere. So what else do you think of we talk? you know, over the course of a year. Well, okay. Um, so the, the, we kind of kicked off the year in local local politics with, a, with an election. Um, we didn't have a podcast then, so. <laughs> I was so on your first one. You were on my first one, um, which was more than 18 weeks ago. So, wow. yeah, um, but yeah. But, so we started the year with this election, city council elections. Uh, we had Ward Six, Five, Two, and Eight. Pretty considerable. No, not eight. 
not eight. Yeah, eight. Remember. Yeah, that, yeah, it was eight. Sorry, it was eight. Yeah. Um, yeah, so half the city. Um, and those wards are, uh, of course, Ward 2 is James sure. Cooper's ward, uh, 23rd Street north to the hinterlands, and basically from 235 west it's to... It's the biggest ward, right? As far as land area? No. It isn't? Um, okay. No, they are all... Uh, the ward sizes are determined by population. Um, oh, okay. Not by space. So I would guess Ward 4 is technically the biggest one because it's the most sparse. Ward mm-hmm. 7 is also very large. All of the suburban wards are pretty large because they're a lot more sparse. But Ward 4 is like uh, Oklahoma County, Cleveland County, Pot County, uh, all that space that's south of Dell City and Tinker uh-huh. and like that's almost all undeveloped or low development. Uh, yeah, that's all Ward 4. That's Todd Stone's Ward. So until the redistricting that came with the last uh, the last census, I just want you to imagine that 25th Street, Fiestas de la de las Americas is the was the same ward as the little <laughs> pocket of two square miles of Pottawatomie County <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that are technically Oklahoma City. Like uh, nothing against Todd Stone or his willingness or desire to provide leadership at City Hall on behalf of constituents in Capitol Hill and Pot County. It's not about him. It's just like you can't com- Considered that that an affinity, mm-hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> to live in far rural, like county, uh, versus to live in a very like mm-hmm. urban center. Uh, that's changed. That's in Ward Six now. Boy, that was quite a that was quite a a turn off from uh, the regular topic. But that's good. That's important <laughs> stuff. Uh, yeah. So. Cooper didn't have opposition that was meaningful. Right. Uh, it was funny, though, because some people put up a candidate who it turns out didn't live in the yeah. world and hadn't. I just like it was like they didn't try at all. They didn't uh-huh. like I'd just check a little bit. Uh, but uh, so that person ended up not being able to run. Uh, Stone Cipher had one real opponent and that was Amy Warren and mm-hmm. they put up a really good campaign. Yep. Uh but man, Stone Cipher spent money on it. Like it was I looked like, at those finances when they were all released and it was it was like just bonkers. Yeah, he had I mean I I think the conservatives just got really scared over the last few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think we could say we could thank local mainstream news for that because they have to fill that time, and so they'll mm-hmm. they they will cover. Well, I mean, like we see one of the local activist groups is just full of a bunch of numbskulls and bozos. They're on TV every week, and it's like nobody really takes you seriously but you keep being the opposition voice on tv Mm -hmm. like in the local news like that that shit like they can cover joe beth saying that she doesn't like something that doesn't change the fact that she's one of two votes that might go against this you know um Mm -hmm. So conservatives, I think conservatives got a little scared the last couple of elections. Um, they donated a lot of money to uh, to money. Stone Cipher in the cycle before that. They put a lot of money behind Carter uh, and you know Todd Stone uh, against Sam Morgan Grimaldo. Uh, boy, that that 
outcome was really imbalanced. And I think a lot, again, a lot of it had to do with conservatives just being a little scared and putting a lot more money into stuff uh, that they might have won anyway. But mm-hmm. uh, this time around, we saw some of that, but it was not as like as obvious here in the core. Um, like most of the campaigning in Ward 6, where mm-hmm. my spouse is the uh, city councilor, uh, most of Full the spending, You're right. Most of the spending around here wasn't exclusively on the campaign that was running for that seat uh, against Joe Beth. It, a lot of that, a lot of the money got spent on just talking shit on Joe Beth and sending really weird loaded mailers oh my all gosh, over. So weird. Um, yeah, and polling that was like stuff that a wasn't relevant to city government, uh, but also B, just a lot of stuff that just was patently false. Um, and uh, you, know, you and I have talked about as far as donations are concerned um, and looking at campaign donations when, because for anybody who doesn't know, you have to report that and disclose it. Um, the difference between the donation amount between the two candidates was very interesting because, you know, we've talked about this before and like with period OKC, we receive like kind of the grassroots donations um, that, and I've mentioned this before. So that was what was interesting was to compare um, amount of donations and then the amount of each donation. Um, Right. Right. Uh, Yeah. It's a lot of, a, a lot of donations of, of the in the fifty dollar right exactly um, and you know we can't know we can't really know how much money like a pack got like uh, mm-hmm. whoever was ultimately responsible for some of those like oh the misleading polling and the just smearing stuff like uh uh we can't know who gave money for that because it's a it wasn't a candidate uh it wasn't a campaign that paid for those so uh uh that's just that's what they call dark money you hear them talk about dark money all the time on TV this is what they're talking about it's just being able to you know, I mean, you can give ten, twenty thousand dollars to a pack that's going to run ads saying that mm-hmm. you hate the military and jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, what would, I, one of the questions was so funny. It was like, like the way the questions were set up was would you feel more inclined or less inclined to vote for Joe Beth Hammond if you knew the following? And oh, then the yeah. following were all things that were like made up, like if you knew she had voted to ban the military. Well, that's – I like, there was never any – nobody's ever had a vote to ban the military anywhere at any level not of government, thing. but certainly not at the least – like the least impactful level of government as far as the military goes. It's never been a vote at the city to ban the military. Uh, city council has no say in that, but even if they right. had, you know, it's just silly, silly stuff, but like the kind of thing that was like, like you know, say these scary things and make you think that they're true about her. Uh, and, at the very least, aspirational uh, goals for her. Um, this is silly, right? But we can't know who you can give twenty thousand dollars to that. You can only give like this limited, small amount, twenty five hundred dollars or whatever uh, for a candidate to a candidate's campaign. So I, whatever uh, th- that got pretty ugly. Uh, yeah, and. Uh, 
you know, I personally lost some friends. Uh, I wouldn't say they were too close of friends. Uh, of that, I, there were some people who I wouldn't have considered friends who, like, now I now I know. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Um, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of people who talk out of both sides of their mouth that kind of tattled on themselves. That's fine by me. I like, it doesn't make any practical difference in how I live my day to day life, but, but now I know them for who they are. Yeah. It was the one that got the most kind of dicey and just icky. (laughs) Like as far as, you know, seeing, hateful things being spewed. Yeah. Um, and I heard a lot of both sides in that, which, I mean, you know, obviously nobody's in control of what their supporters or detractors say online. But right. um, I just didn't see any, I'm not saying it didn't happen because it is the internet at shit definitely gets ugly on there Mm -hmm. uh, from all kinds of people. Um, But uh, I just didn't see any of that. That doesn't mean that it didn't exist. I live in a bubble like everybody else. I didn't see Mm -hmm. any, like, any cruel shit pointed, any mean, really mean shit pointed uh, at Jobeth's opponent. I did see a lot of why are you running and like kind of like very internet like uh, like behavior around that, around asking Mm -hmm. this question and not getting an answer and sort of doubling down on it. Like how I've done with the mayor not coming on the podcast. It's like, like, you know, you're make you look silly by not answering this so publicly. So I'm going to keep doing it and see if you're going to just say something. So like, anyway, uh, I just, if that was a rough time on the internet, just imagine taking a stand about fucking anything in Oklahoma city and seeing how people really treat you. When, when they're actually mad at you, um, yeah, I I was glad to get that out of the way. Honestly, as a spouse in that arena, <laughs> there was there was a lot of me just kind of like, man, I wish we weren't even doing this. Um, yeah, I don't but, have the I don't, I don't have the skin for public office. Yeah. I don't, I don't either. I don't have a lot of secrets, but I definitely don't have, I don't have the patience for other people to just openly disrespect me. Yep. Like I admire Joe Beth and Nikki so much for how, how much they moderate their <laughs> their reactions and their, right. they manage their affect on that horseshoe. I would be. I'd be calling names every day. Um, yeah. well, uh, so something a little bit, maybe a little lighter hearted. Let's uh, move on from draw the curtain of charity over that ugly patch in our, in our year. Um, and talk about policing. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we, uh, we will talk a little bit about policing, but um there was an article today about a new bar opening on 23rd Street in Uptown. There's um, news to me. Do tell. Well, I, it's James Vu, uh, whatever. Uh, the, a local restaurateur, basically a bar guy who keeps opening places I would never go. So it's, it's kind of irrelevant oh, okay. to me. Yeah. Um, like he's part of the the various restaurateurs and developers who have made Midtown such a nightmare Mm -hmm. with their very uninteresting and also somehow still threatening (laughs) environments (laughs) they've created. But uh, 
just regardless of his concepts and whatever, I mean, he does well for himself. I, so the fact that he's offering something that is not for me just says that what's for me is not, it's not really marketable, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So then we started to open this place on 23rd um, that I'll refrain from commenting on that place at all. It's not even open, but there was a story about, Christmas Day, he got up there to do some work, and there was graffiti on the building. And it's like, well, you, you don't have anything there. You're, huh. I mean, you you came to the neighborhood. I there was graffiti there before you showed up. Right. So I don't like. Uh, but like one of the things says, like in the article, is like ugly messages. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'll be honest. I haven't seen the tags. It could have been ugly messages. I'm guessing it was just tags, though. Mm-hmm. Like, like when you travel up and down 23rd, you don't see a lot of, like, political messaging that is hateful. I mean... Nah, yeah, I haven't. Yeah, most of the, most of the political messaging I see in that area uh, via graffiti writers of, like, like pro queer, pro-trans. I was, yeah, uh, I was going to say, there's a tra- trans one. I don't know if it's still up there or not. Uh, the one that said armed trans kids? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that it got buffed. But uh, but yeah, that uh, that's more the tenor of the political messaging along there. And if somebody thinks armed trans kids is an ugly message, well, you really need to examine why you think that's an ugly <laughs> message. Right. And you need to examine why somebody else would say this is a good message you know but uh i don't think that that's probably what he had on his uh not open uh yet business uh i i mean i don't know i could be wrong but i assume it's tags uh that's that's a topic that's been on the news a lot lately and i don't think it's very fair uh i at the risk of sounding pro-capitalist, which is not <laughs> not my thing at all, but uh, I think it's bad for bad for people in the neighborhood who are trying to make the neighborhood a little bit more self-sustaining and viable without rejecting all the neighbors who already live there. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like trying to improve the environment without gentrifying, which I don't, I don't think they're succeeding at the not gentrifying, but I don't think that's up to the people who, who you and I both know who are trying to improve the community. Right. Um, But because they're not the ones with the capital to own these buildings and these houses and these places that keep getting burned down, like we saw the other night. Um, Mm -hmm to clear out space in a cheaper way than, uh, so I, I just, the complaining about graffiti and crime and shit like that, that's generally speaking, that is, that is the language of the gentrifier. That is the language of somebody who's come into a community because they see an opportunity to, to profit from that community. Uh, during a time of change for the community. Not there for the community, not there to improve the community, there to improve their own bottom line, which, again, I'm not a capitalist, so that's not something that that cuts mustard with me. But that's, you know, that is whatever it is. It's the water we're swimming in. But, there is a fine line between the two of gentrification and improvement. Yeah. I, I probably don't find the line as as fine as you do or as a right. lot of people do. But, yeah, uh, well, you know, I remember the plaza when there weren't <laughs> things there, right, you know. I remember 23rd Street when there weren't things there. Well, I mean, there were things there some pretty good places to 
to buy drugs. Uh, and <laughs> Depends on what you're looking for. Right. If you're looking for hotel, motel, closeout items or wigs, there's also places that you could get those things along there. But so I don't... In, you know, you improve an arterial street and then well, what happens a block off of it? People who have lived there for generation, you know, for two generations are like, they don't have money. It's just suddenly the neighborhood has attracted some people to come to it, you know. Uh, and then rent skyrockets. Right. Um, so I don't think like this new concept is something that like improves the community. I think it's something that probably in improves like the line of sight on on 23rd street this is more like commercial space uh to get attention whatever I, all of that is kind of irrelevant i'm just thinking about like these restaurants and other businesses going into areas where there was nothing like it before um and what that really means for us as a community, but like especially now with like, what we see, so many restaurants and bars closed this year. That was actually something somebody commented um, about a prediction, and they said it in kind of a tongue-in-cheek way, but saying like more restaurants and bars opening and closing. But they said ones with neon signs, which I found very funny. But um, yeah, but that's been a trend from what I've seen. Yeah, I think, gosh, I I could be wrong, and I don't want to hurt their business if I am wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong, but, like, new place in Midtown, just where Ludivine was when they opened, a place called Ghost, that, like, I believe they're closing already, and they've only, I mean... I've never even heard of it, but... It yeah, I mean, like, I've heard of it. It's It's in my neighborhood, but I haven't been there. Uh, don't really even know what their food is like, you know, but like, and that's, that's always been the case of opening a restaurant is not exactly like a sure thing, you know, Right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's just weird to see what's going to stick and what's not and what has and what hasn't around. Um, uh, I don't know though. I, I wouldn't, I'm not opening a restaurant anytime soon. There's the amount of, you know, because I live um, right by the plaza and the amount of, like, bars that I've seen turn over <laughs> just since I've lived here. Yeah. And then I see them opening another bar in the exact same place with just a different concept. <laughs> it's yeah. It's baffling. It is kind of, it is kind of strange. I, uh, the pandemic has made a huge impact on just how Americans entertain themselves um mm -hmm. i think the the increasing legalization of and ubiquity of pretty strong cannabis uh has really supplanted the need to go mm -hmm. to a place and consume a drug legally um mm -hmm. since you can do that at home or on the street corner or just about anywhere else now um, mm -hmm. and again, it's ubiquitous. So like they're more, I mean, it's just as easy to get some weed as it is to get some booze, you know? Um, right. So uh, yeah, I, kid, the kids these days aren't going out as much because they spent their formative going out years, not going out because places weren't open. So uh, it's just that we've created kind of a different, a different culture. service economy. So I'd be curious to see what happens, but I can't help thinking that that had its impact on how we've seen things going for these restaurants and bars. Uh, then again, not that I mean I don't go to bars, so just because I it's not my not my jam. Yeah, I, yeah, I I go to them even less now, of course, but I I wasn't that into going to bars for a few years before. I mean, like. Yeah, definitely choosing restaurants that had booze, but I don't know. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, that's a lot of pre predictions about places opening and closing, and I don't know. Good luck to James Vu. Good luck to Uptown 23rd, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. 
before we okay one more thing that's about construction and then i want to try we we're almost out of time but uh mm-hmm. um yeah we might actually leave the heavy stuff out and we'll just talk a little bit about two construction projects somebody asked us our friend caitlin asked us about the construction project at 50th and northwest expressway right Mm-hmm. Is that what, or was it, no, Penn, yeah, it's 50th Penn, in my head. Or that big, Penn and, that Penn Square. Yeah, because that goes from 50th to Penn. I mean, from 50th to North, Northwest Expressway. Uh, I think of I think of it as a 50th project because it doesn't matter why I think of that. Anyway, yeah, that is a large project, and it's created considerable uh, – Traffic interruptions, I'm not going to call them traffic problems because that traffic's already a problem there. Uh, matter of fact, this clusterfuck there. We'll see. Okay, so the use taxes for this construction project, uh, use taxes come from okay, look, this really nerdy, boring shit but super important. Uh, <laughs> and somebody else could explain it a lot better than me because my eyes tend to glaze over when we get to finance stuff at the city, which sucks because it's the most important stuff we're talking about. But uh, use taxes come from like, well, specifically for the purposes of our conversation, the construction project, they have to buy a bunch of materials and part of the tax on buying stuff for construction uh, is a use tax. And that specifically is earmarked to go toward infrastructure around that project, like mm-hmm. to make it uh, usable, code compliant, and not as unattractive, like sidewalks, turn any any I uh, see. any traffic shit that's going to be disrupted and, and changed, like adding a turn lane on the expressway, that, that comes from that use tax. Uh, um, hmm. Uh, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so when the city was talking about the arena and how that one of the benefits was creating this use tax, that's misleading. Uh, like that's just not anyway, whatever, uh, especially for a public project, um, it's Rob and Peter <laughs> to pay Paul, but yeah, so that project <laughs> is big. Uh, it's, the footprint is considerably smaller than the development itself. It's multi-level, multi-purpose. Um, that's residential, office, retail, parking as well, um, and some. I say housing units. I believe there's some housing units. I could be wrong. Um, that's last I heard. But yeah, I'm pretty sure there are. Um, so it's a big space. A lot of the pushback in the neighborhood was, you know, to me, not super relevant. Um, I, I don't live there, and I'm not a property owner. I, I should preface everything I ever say about property with this caveat that, like, I don't even really believe in private property philosophically. So, like, my opinion is going to be very different from a homeowner <laughs> in that neighborhood. Right. But uh, a lot of the pushback, from the neighbors had to do with changing traffic patterns in the area. Okay, I understand that's part of how mm-hmm. you, what you live with. I spent some time in that neighborhood. One of my best friends from college is from that that specific neighborhood. Um, I never go there. <laughs> well, no. Why would you? It's I mean, yeah. like it's just middle class homes. Uh, it's north of north of thirty six. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. It might as well be Guthrie uh, as far as. <laughs> So, no, uh, yeah, the pushback was more about, I, it was mostly, I don't, I don't want this by me kind of shit, like nimbyism, uh, but not about poor people and shit like that, like nimbyism generally. It's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't want that. I don't want more cars mm-hmm. in the neighborhood, which I agree with. Yeah, I don't, but like. There. But some of the arguments, I always say it's hilarious. If like, if you want to hear like a list of logical fallacies in action, 
go to the planning meetings to hear people talk about like why they don't want stuff built in their neighborhood because there is this sine wave of there want just one person's three minute space for comments is a hard sound wave of how good the neighborhood is and how shitty the neighborhood is. Like it's like it's like this place sucks and it is our home. Do not fuck with it. And like we love it here but you won't and here's why because the road doesn't exist our houses are on stilts like it's just like it it is hilarious to listen to the well it's kind of i don't know one of the one of the people <laughs> who protested this was like my granddaughters come over sometimes and they want to play in the yard and there's going to be a parking garage where people can just see them. And it's like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, your kids are going to be, your grandkids are going to be playing in the backyard and some pervert's going to be up in the parking garage like saying, yeah, they're throwing, they're throwing a ball. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, anything's possible, I guess, but they closed the street and they changed traffic. Like 50th is different now. It's fine. Uh, it's fine. In my opinion, I don't drive around there. I don't. I, BRT goes by it. That's how I know what it looks like now. But Caitlin wanted to know about it. That's all I really had to contribute to that conversation. The mole was very against it. <laughs> it was. No, seriously, the the ownership and management of Penn Square Mall were were oh, people who showed really? up to planning and to city council to protest it. Yeah. Who is that? Like Stein? I don't know. Well, because it's kind of, because it's going to be retail. Retail. Want, yeah. Yeah. They don't want new competition. Come on. Penn Square Nobody Mall. Nobody goes to the mall. Right. And and when they do, they do. They don't go somewhere else. They go to the mall. Like. Right. I, I've been there during the Christmas season. That place is a lawless hellscape. Like, they are not losing. If they're losing business, it's to how shitty the parking is there, not to uh, the fact that there are other retail options. This is silly. Again, it's... I, when was the last time makes, you were at a mall? Uh, last time I was at a mall... Man, I have no idea. The mall for, for move, I'm... I'm going to say it's probably when I still worked for Curbside, probably that last Christmas uh, that I was with Curbside, because we would have a pop-up uh, where we'd have a couple of vendors selling wrapping paper oh, okay. at the mall. And uh, so I would have to go resupply them and pay them and check on them and uh, whatever. I, so okay. I had to go to the mall off. It sucked, too, because it's like... Like, I need a pass on my car so I can just park in a service area, like park by the dumpsters and run in. But I don't have that, so I'm going to park a fucking 50-pen place, basically, <laughs> across the street. I, people are funny about this, though, Lindley. Like, this is this really goes in, it dovetails nicely with the other stuff we've talked about here, that, like, driving is so central that... It, the confirmation bias is simply that anywhere you go uh, needs to be convenient for driving there, getting yeah. out of your car, going inside, coming back out and departing. Like that's, that's the baseline. And people complain about something like the plaza. There's not enough parking. Well, A, don't drive down there. Uh, use public transit or ride share. B, mm -hmm. there's plenty of parking, actually. There's plenty of parking. But you don't want to walk three blocks. But if you compare those three blocks to walking across the parking lot at Penn Square Mall, there's not a comparison. And you're in danger walking through the parking lot because it's all blind spot. And there are cars driving way too fast, way too dangerously. And I don't know. Street youths in the parking lot. I don't know. Whatever it is you're scared of, that's actually at the mall. It's not in our neighborhoods <laughs> where you could walk somewhere, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah that, I remember 
Like yeah. my house is definitely walking distance from the, all the all the stuff at the plaza. I'm like blocks. And um, yeah. I remember I was with somebody and I was like, let's just walk. And they go, what? <laughs> to the <laughs> plaza? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm east of May. We're very close. Uh, yeah, right. Um, yeah, but you have to cross pen, and there's, you know, poor people by pen. Oh, no, they might be might be scary. They might say hello to you. Oh, ooh, their clothes are <laughs> new. Um, I, yeah, I, yeah. Um. Speaking of poverty, one last thing we don't need to talk much about because we're just right at an hour, but something we need to talk about as a community, not just you and I, but we got to talk about this jail. Like, that shit ain't going away. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they are looking currently for a site for the jail, and they are not having a lot of luck. Uh, And that's fine because you know what? We already have land for a jail. It's where there's a jail. Um, (laughs) Yeah, So I, it's time to start really thinking about how to how to make our voices heard to our, our county leadership specifically, but also our city leadership about where the jail is going to go in our community. If we are, as a people, going to continue to cage our neighbors for things, for doing things that we don't like, uh, then we need to figure out how to do it as safely and reducing the inhumanity of that act as much as possible. Um, we need to do a whole episode about that sometime, I think, Lindley. Yeah, there will be a lot of things to cover that would be very informative for people. Yeah, speaking of, uh, you know, next week uh, is the new year. Um Woo-hoo. There will be a city council meeting next week. Um, I hope next week maybe we can just kind of settle in and talk a little bit about, like, I think our theme for that episode probably is going to be law enforcement and public safety because there are just a whole lot of things going on right now mm-hmm. around that, including this jail thing, which, not to cause panic, but think it's really important for people to also remember that that bond that we passed that is not enough money we do not have enough money to build the jail uh look the fantasy that was presented to voters a couple of summers ago like that that bond will not cover that um so we're still we still are going to have to come up with additional funding revenue sources to to build that jail. Uh, So this ain't over yet. Now, and so next week, with that being the theme, y'all will definitely hear about death. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. tune in. (laughs) But yeah, I'd like to talk about the Real-Time Crime Center. Mm -hmm. Uh, These are things that I had listed to talk about from this year, but that are ongoing. The the Real-Time Crime Center and the Human Rights Commission like those two things both being put into place this year and what they tell us about our community aspirationally versus actually um, Mm. uh, that and this kind of public safety partnership talk that uh, say a lot of that came from James Cooper um, and that resolution that, that he pushed uh, and the talks with 21CP, uh, that that stuff that's been set up since and is being worked on, that has a lot more attention and intention behind it than the Human Rights Commission. But uh, that plus mental health responses plus a jail site, all this and more next time on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, it has been... It has been a wild year, as every year is. Um, I hope that uh, next year will be better than the last. We'll see. Um, Everybody don't drink and drive on Sunday night. Please don't drink and drive. Uh, Use public transportation to get out. Remember, the BRT runs late. Um, Exactly. 
use public transit to get out, get a ride share to get home. It's more expensive, but it's not as expensive as killing it's somebody. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or that's even better. Um, or you could be like me and you're getting a, a bougie pizza and staying on the couch. So nice. I recommend that as well. That's a pretty good plan. Um, <laughs> that's a pretty good plan. So um, I want to thank everybody for listening and uh, for all your support this year. Uh, this is yeah. a new podcast uh, still even though we're 18 episodes in, we don't really, we haven't nailed down exactly what we're doing yet. I know that for the new year, we'd like to be in the studio more. Yeah. We're going to do some live podcast episodes this year. Um, we have a whole bunch of stuff coming up, but uh, that mostly is stuff that Lindley and I need to talk about offline. Um, <laughs> so we won't subject you to that. But thank you, everybody, for your support. Um, this year and going into the next and I hope that you have a peaceful uh, and fulfilling new year. Lindley, this year is the year that we've become such close friends and I'm really grateful for that. I know, this that. is the year I talk to you. I've talked to you almost every day of my life. Yeah, exactly right. Um, through ups and downs, health problems, bad dating decisions, all kinds of things. <laughs> you can always count on me for this matter. Um, (laughs) I will echo Marty thank you everyone Um, and this has been a blast the past 18 weeks and um, we still welcome you to send any feedback ideas if you're polite I would appreciate that Um, so yeah engage with us indeed okay everybody Uh, thank you so much Uh, and uh, that's it okay love you bye okay love you bye